Hello, and welcome back to the Mom Boss Pod. I am your host, Helen, and this is where we are open about it all. Raw motherhood, realistic business growth strategies, and mastering marketing as an entrepreneur. Today, I'm actually um, joined by Dr. Danielle Disroche. I should have asked you before I started recording. Did I pronounce that okay? That's pretty good. Yeah, Disroche. Yep, not too far oh, off. Okay, so I, I said the S and you're not supposed to say the S, but that's okay. Um, you're a licensed naturopathic doctor specializing in PCOS and fertility, and I just, I asked Danielle to come on to the podcast because I honestly have struggled for years with my own um, fertility health, I guess is a good way to put it. It was never infertility, but I've been very open like on Instagram and just like on other podcasts I've been interviewed on um, about my own fertility stuff. And so I just kind of wanted to bring on an expert on the podcast and just talk through like hormone health and the importance of it. Um, for us moms or for those of us who are aspiring to be a mom. And yeah, so Dr. Danielle focuses on the root cause approach, which I think is amazing and like why I really wanted to bring her on specifically. Um, she uses natural therapies like nutrition, supplements, and lifestyle changes to heal the body rather than mask symptoms, which I think is just so huge. Um, she's passionate about educating her clients so they feel empowered to take control of their health and grow their family. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Can you just give us a little bit of like your intro, who you are, how you got started doing what you're doing? Yeah. So my background in or my introduction into the wellness world really began. I was a professional ballet dancer and I went to like a ballet boarding school, did the whole professional track. Um, and during that time really struggled with an eating disorder and I ended up developing Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition that attacks your thyroid. I lost my period for probably over two and a half years for struggling with hair loss, bloating. Like I was just a mess and I, I was 20 years old. So I finally was like, okay, as much as I love ballet, like I am killing myself here. Mm. So I left the ballet world and I really didn't feel like I was getting any support whatsoever from my doctors and decided to study nutrition. So I went to the university of Vermont where my initial plan was to be a dietitian. And at that point I was kind of in like quasi recovery. I knew I wasn't happy with the restriction that I was putting my body through, but I also wasn't like quite ready to actually heal. And by the end of my college education, I was kind of at the point where I was like, okay, feel like I am proving. I don't think I necessarily should be a dietitian where I'm just talking to people about their food all day, every day, especially at that point, a lot of dietitian careers that were being presented to me were like, you know, focusing on diabetes and weight loss. And I'm like, this is just not going to be good for me long-term. And at the time I was also doing my Pilates teacher training while I was in college. And mm -hmm. it was kind of serendipitous because my Pilates mentor, her husband was a naturopathic doctor and I had never heard of this profession whatsoever. Like I grew up very much in conventional medicine. And she said to me, she's like, you know, why don't you look into this career path? Because it includes nutrition, but it also includes so much more. Mm -hmm. And ironically, that same week, my mom had seen a newspaper article in our hometown about a naturopathic doctor in my hometown in New Hampshire. And so she like cut it out and she brought it up to Vermont when she came to visit and was like, look at this. Like, I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's very fitting for you. And I just thought, wow, like I've never heard the term naturopathic medicine 
ever. And now I've heard it twice in one week. Mm-mm. So I ended up shadowing a doctor in Vermont and was like, yeah, this seems right up my alley because it incorporated the nutrition, but it really looked at the body as a whole. It included supplements, included lifestyle changes. I loved that it was still medical school without feeling like I was going to be just prescribing medications Mm -hmm. the entire time, which pharmaceuticals were part of our training. Um, So at that point, I went out to medical school in Portland, Oregon, and then afterwards did my residency in primary care and women's health, and then started my own virtual practice in 2020, where now I just focus on women's hormones, specifically PCOS and fertility. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, like how full circle for you to kind of like go through all of that personally, and then dive into like an education that actually allows you to like find the root cause. What did that look like for yourself? First off, like with healing, I know you said you, um, didn't have your period for like two and a half years, which obviously like as a female, that's telling us something. Right. And so like, what did your personal healing look like as you're like learning all of this stuff and going through the educational process yourself? I think a lot of it was counterintuitive to what we are, or at least were programmed to believe in like the early 2000s. And that one was, you know, that fat doesn't make us fat, that fat's not bad, that we need fat for our hormones. So trying to, you know, lessen the fear around that and start Mm -hmm. to include more food in my diet. And, you know, for a long time I was vegan and I think I used that kind of as a cover as a reason to, you know, say, Oh, I can't eat that. And I can't eat that. Not Mm -hmm. that that is everyone's reason for being vegan, but in retrospect, I can see that that was mine. So for me, it was, you know, healing my relationship with food and then also, you know, healing my relationship with exercise. After I had stopped dancing, I became a marathon runner and ran marathons all through college. And I quickly realized that that was really depleting on my body and was harming my hormones even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of had to accept like, you know, maybe working out harder, working out longer is not really the best option for my body. Hmm. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. Well, so tell us a little bit about like kind of what your day-to-day looks like now, now that you have your own practice, which I think is really cool that, so you said virtual practice that you started in 2020, which I feel like is obviously very fitting for like the year that 2020 was. Um, so what did that look like when you started, you know, just from the business side of things and like, what does it look like now on a day to day? Yeah. I mean, I definitely never thought I'd be practicing in this way. And I always say that one of the positives for me that came out of COVID was the opportunity to start, start a virtual business. And I think that before COVID, we used to, at least I used to see telemedicine as lesser quality. And through COVID, when we really only had telemedicine, we realized that, you know, I get to connect with women who are in other countries and other part of the, in other part of the United States who don't have access to this kind of medicine or don't have access to a specialist like me. Mm-hmm. And they're able to access this medical care. So when I opened my business, I initially thought, you know, I'll do this for a few months. It was right when my residency ended. I thought, you know, I'll apply to different clinics throughout the country and and move and go join a clinic. And that was kind of my plan. And I went through that interview process. But every time I got offered a job, I just thought, you know, this just doesn't feel right. Like, I don't want somebody to tell me how much time I can spend with my patients or Mm -hmm. how I can support them and connect with them. So I just kind of was like, okay, let's see how long I can keep the virtual practice going. And it really just started to boom when I started to connect with people over social media and connect with them over my podcast. Um, And then I just never really looked back because the flexibility 
opportunity and help women who normally wouldn't have access to this kind of medical care. Yeah, that's amazing. I know. I, I think like a lot of stuff happened in 2020 that like allowed people to find, you know, oh, I could do my business from anywhere. And obviously as like a virtual assistant, that is like amazing in so many ways, but also, um, it's not super common for like medical practices to be doing that until like very recently. So tell us kind of what, um, I guess like in business, right. We have like our ideal clients. So who's kind of like your ideal patient, like who comes to you? What's their biggest thing that they're struggling with? Yeah. I'd say I typically get women from the age of like early twenties to late thirties and how I really kind of got started and specializing in PCOS was a lot of women were coming to me in their early thirties and either they knew they had PCOS, but they were told when they were a teen, you know, don't worry about it. Take the pill. We'll deal with it when you want to get pregnant. And now they were trying to get pregnant for, you know, one, two, sometimes five plus years. And they're realizing, oh, this isn't like as easy as I kind of was made to believe it would be or they were just realizing they, they had PCOS, even though they had signs since they were a teenager. And so they were looking for support around their PCOS because unfortunately conventional medicine really doesn't provide much other than take the pill, take this medication. And it's really not providing them any sort of quality of life. And it's not the, you know, it's not really helping them have a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And when I saw, you know, what this type of medicine can do for women, you know, in that category, I was just like, you know, there's so many women that need help and conventional medicine is failing them. And that's why I kind of started specializing in this in particular. Yeah. Can we talk about birth control for a moment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause, um, I, I've, I don't know how open I've been in like on Instagram. Cause it doesn't really like typically come up, but with friends, I've, t- I'm very open about, about the fact that like in my early twenties, I like took the pill just obviously to prevent pregnancy and all that kind of stuff. But like I, the hormone changes that I experienced, like, and I know it's different for everyone, but I like gained weight. Um, my moods, like my moods were just all over the place. I felt like something was like different within my own body. And it wasn't until like, um, I think about like a year and a half in where I realized I'm like, wow, a lot of this, like all these symptoms like started when I started taking the pill. And so, um, I quickly like went off of it and so many of those symptoms like went away and, um, obviously like there is, you know, then you have to be careful in a lot of other ways to like prevent pregnancy if that's not what your goal is at the moment. But like, can we talk about just what, what it does to your body? And we are going to take a quick break as I want to tell you all about my money mindset workshop that is now available for you to download and watch at your own convenience and on your own time. So I, hosted this workshop because I was recognizing that a lot of us moms and entrepreneurs are honestly starting to feel like we constantly need to be doing more and that it's difficult to generate more income, more clients, more sales. And the thing is, that's very stressful. (laughs) So I wanted to post this workshop to help you reframe your mindset around money and be able to establish a better routine and a better system for yourself and for your business and actually get comfortable with the fact that your wealth is completely up to you. And what I mean by that is wealth looks different for everyone and is defined differently for everyone. 
And for you, it might look different than it looks for me. And that's completely okay. And so throughout this workshop, we discuss like the definition of wealth and how excuses like our time or how much money we need to make actually get in the way of us feeling accomplished and feeling successful and feeling like we're doing enough. And so join me in the workshop. I, at the end, also help you create a specific daily routine that will guide you into a healthier relationship with your money. And I just had a really great time hosting this. So you can learn more about it at the link in the description and let's get back to our interview. The pill, yeah, specifically. I mean, the one thing with the pill is that it is more often prescribed for a non-contraceptive reason than it mm-hmm. is to prevent pregnancy. So it's often being prescribed to teenagers for acne, for irregular periods. And this really is doing them a disservice because it's not looking at, you know, what's causing your acne. Why are you having these really painful or irregular periods? And it's just covering it up. And yes, it may give them a temporary sense of relief, but long-term it's not helping them address the problem. And instead that problem is just lingering and it's growing and it's becoming more of a problem. Mm-hmm. It also, you know, for women who don't have a period, who have really irregular periods, that's often seen with PCOS. Yes, taking the pill will make you bleed each month, but it's not actually fixing the underlying cause of your regular periods, which is the fact that you weren't ovulating. The pill mm-hmm. does not make you ovulate. So it's kind of tricking your body into thinking it ovulated. So yes, you're bleeding each month. That isn't a sign that it's improving your PCOS in any way. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, saying like you mentioned how it caused like mood changes and it's like, of course it is going to cause that. And in, in a lot of people, because when we think about our hormones without the pill, they're cycling throughout the month, right? You know, sometimes we'll have mood changes before our period because our hormones impact our mood. So mm-hmm. if we're taking these hormones in pill form, they're absolutely going to impact, you know, every aspect of our health from our heart health to our gut health, to our mental health. And so it's important that, you know, if you are taking it for any reason, really, you think of like, you know, what are the the pros and cons and what are my other options? And I think a lot of times the pill is just being thrown at anything that is a women's health concern. And the patient isn't really being educated in terms of like, what is it doing to your body and what are your other options? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just like, you know, talking about like hormone balance and stuff, I feel like, um, there is so many things outside of just, you know, hormonal birth control that could be causing those fluctuations. And I know for me, whether I've experienced it like personally or seen others experience it, it's just so much of it is like what you were talking about, stress on our bodies and stress on our lives. Um, and how often is it like with infertility? Um, I know you focus a lot on like PCOS, I, but I guess also like on the, you know, in a different realm, like where does like stress play a role in like irregular periods or infertility um, or mood swings and, you know, like just imbalanced work-life balance kind of thing. Oh, it's huge. I always say that stress management is just as important as your diet and your supplements and your sleep. And I really have seen women struggle to get pregnant when they were in a very high stress job and get pregnant almost immediately within a couple months of leaving that high stress job. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I always say like one setting boundaries with your work is really important, especially if you're struggling to get pregnant. So not, you know, responding to work emails until 10 PM, shutting the computer off, turning your phone off, like really having that hard separation, especially if you work from home and it kind of can just bleed into the night, you know, as somebody who does work from home, I totally get that struggle. Um, but yeah, I mean, stress, like we know when somebody goes through 
you know, say it's a, a death of a loved one. We know that that can impact your cycle. You might skip your cycle that month. It may come really, really late. It might come really, really early. So we know that stress can impact when you ovulate, but mm-hmm. it also is going to impact, you know, inflammation. It's going to impact your gut health. It's going to impact your thyroid health. And all these things are going to impact your fertility. So I think, you know, if you're somebody who's like, oh, you know, I take all the supplements and I eat so well, but you are a 10 out of 10 stress ball like that, mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far with that. Yeah. And I, I see that so much in myself and like my own, you know, work-life balance because I do work from home and I have two little kids and I only have, you know, part-time childcare. And that's something I've really had to like hone in on. Okay. I'm not going to be working every single evening or on the weekends or like any chance that I get, you know, like, because those, I can like feel it in my body when I'm like stressed out. And like, obviously that's not going to be, you know, healthy for me. Um, for yes, infertility, or like if you're in that season of life, but I feel like just in general with like hormone balance, I feel like for me, when I have, am like regulating my routine and like getting enough rest and eating well and taking care of my body, I don't like snap at my kids or at my husband or like get over emotional about something. Um, and I think that's like such a huge part of it too, is like recognizing outside of like fertility, like our home hormones play a major role in like every aspect of life. Um, what are your thoughts, I guess, like around if someone let's say is listening and they're like struggling with getting pregnant, um, where are those first steps to like, what are the first steps to kind of look at? Oh gosh. Um, I would say like a couple of things that you can just start today. One is looking at your breakfast and your coffee intake. So a common theme I see happening is women drinking coffee on an empty stomach. Maybe they're having breakfast. Maybe they're, maybe they're skipping it altogether, but making sure you're getting in some good protein and healthy fats for breakfast. So things like avocado toast and eggs, or if you're having oatmeal, making sure you're putting in maybe some like chia seeds and some peanut butter with it. Um, you know, if you do a smoothie, adding in some frozen avocado or some, I love making like uh, full fat coconut milk ice cubes, mm. but having your breakfast and then moving your coffee after breakfast, mm-hmm. because when we drink coffee on an empty stomach, it's going to spike our cortisol, that stress hormone and our cortisol already naturally spikes in the morning. So we don't need to even add to that spike, especially if we tend to be high stress. Mm-hmm. So by having it after breakfast, it's going to lessen that cortisol response and lessen inflammation in the body and overall support our hormones. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking like you wake up in the morning and what's the first thing you do to support your fertility, that's going to be number one. Number two is going to be, you know, making sure you're working with a doctor who is willing to order you lab tests. And unfortunately in conventional medicine, typically the standard says, you know, if you're under the age of 35, you have to be trying to conceive for a year before you are eligible for any sort of lab work to work at, look at your fertility. Or if you're over 35, it's six months, which I think is really crazy because it's like, why wouldn't we look at this, this lab work and make sure that you are going into pregnancy in the best health possible? Mm-hmm. And why are we going to make women you know, struggle for a year before we can even start to look at potential answers for them? Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, make sure you're working with a healthcare provider that wants to help you get pregnant or that blood work. And then the other probably third thing is making sure you're not over-exercising, which I see happen a lot, you know, especially women who, you know, maybe their thought is, oh, I want to lose a couple pounds before I get pregnant because I know I'm going to gain weight in pregnancy. And then they're over-exercising, you know, their, their hormones are super low because they're completely drained. Um, so that's something else I would consider. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. Um, you mentioned cortisol and then I know this is totally like flipping the conversation, but progesterone is something I feel like that, like, we're not really, I mean, I feel like in like, you know, women's health, like you talk a lot about like estrogen and we all know estrogen and that's like our main hormone and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's such an importance in progesterone. Um, for me personally, I've, I ha- I've had low progesterone through, um, multiple pregnancies and a lot of those pregnancies ended in a miscarriage. Can we talk a little bit about like what, how, what maybe like how we can support our progesterone, what it actually means, like what it does for our body, like in fertility and pregnancy? Yeah. So progesterone, I'd argue is probably the most important hormone when it comes to getting pregnant and staying pregnant. It's Mm -hmm. actually nicknamed the pregnancy hormone and progesterone is made after we ovulate. So we usually ovulate about halfway through our cycle, about two weeks after we get our period and it's made after we ovulate and it is continued to be made until we get our period. Now, if we get pregnant, our body continues to make progesterone until about week 10. And at that point, the placenta makes takes over making it. Mm -hmm. So if a woman, one, if she is not making enough progesterone to begin with, then we might get our period too soon. So maybe you're getting your period more frequently than 21 days apart. That's a really good sign that you have low progesterone. Or if you struggle with cramping or PMS symptoms like mood swings, headaches, um, you know, fatigue, all of these signs can be, um, an indicator of low progesterone. So if we have low progesterone, it can be difficult to get pregnant, but if we are not able to make enough progesterone during those first 10 weeks of pregnancy, then we have a higher risk of having miscarriage during the first trimester. And really low progesterone is one of the most common causes of miscarriage in first trimester. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many women I've worked with who have had recurrent miscarriages who come to me and they're like, you know, I don't know why this is happening. And we look and their doctor has never tested their progesterone. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely wild to me because I'm like, if you had just tested this, really, I think progesterone should be tested before you even try to get pregnant because why put yourself at risk of having a miscarriage? But if you had known, you know, either before you got pregnant or after that first miscarriage, it could have saved you a lot of heartache going through this over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think progesterone is so important and it can be as simple as taking an oral progesterone prescription. Like that can make it or break it in terms of getting pregnant and staying pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like speaking from experience because, um, and I like, there was a time where like talking about my miscarriages was like really emotional and hard for me. I've done a lot of work through it. So now I feel like I can actually like talk through things. So I don't want anyone listening to be like, wow, you're so like heartless. And the fact that you just like bring them up and like, it's not a big deal, obviously like still a huge deal in my life, but like I had two miscarriages between my two kids. And then I had one just this past summer, but, um, we didn't realize it was a progesterone thing until after my first two miscarriages. So then with Booker, who's now uh, 16 months old, we did supplement during um, his first trimester and that pregnancy stayed. Um, What's kind of like, is there a cause to, because with, I like see a traditional OB, though I will say like, I feel like they, our office is awesome. Like they did a lot more extra work than like what I've heard other people's, you know, OBs will do and stuff. And so I don't have anything bad to say about like my OB, but what is it like that causes low progesterone? I feel like I wasn't really like given much outside of like, oh, your numbers are low. Take this. Like as soon as you know, you're pregnant again, kind of thing, you know? 
Yeah. There's not like one clear cut cause of the low progesterone. Um, you know, one is definitely to consider like, we need, like I said earlier, we need fats to make hormones. So if we are really restricting ourselves, our body is not going to be able to make progesterone Mm -hmm. or if we're not ovulating consistently. And I see that both with PCOS and with people who are under eating and over exercising, if we're not ovulating, we're not going to make progesterone. Even if you ovulate, you know, maybe you ovulate once every three months, if your body's not ovulating consistently, it's not going to know how to make progesterone at the level that you need it each month. Mm-hmm. There are ways too, that you can help support progesterone production through different foods. So for example, vitamin D is really great for supporting progesterone production. And you can take that in supplement form, but you can also eat vitamin C rich foods. So things like, you know, brightly colored fruits and vegetables, like sweet potatoes, carrots, peppers, citrus fruit. That's one way where, you know, maybe you're thinking of getting pregnant a year from now, you can start to try to incorporate more of those foods to help boost your progesterone production, you know, for next year. Mm-hmm. Also thinking of those anti-inflammatory fatty acids, those omega-3s, things like avocado, olives, nuts and seeds, fatty fish like salmon are also going to be really great for supporting progesterone production. So it's not that you necessarily have to have like really low levels of progesterone and you have to be this perfect candidate to take the prescription, but just thinking, you know, if you have signs of low progesterone, even maybe if your doctor hasn't tested it yet, you can start to incorporate different foods to help boost your levels. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, so what does it look like if someone's like wanting more assistance in their fertility journey, or even like if their periods are inconsistent, um, whether they're short or really, you know, long cycles, um, if they think they're not ovulating, like what type of support do you offer? And like, how can people like, who, who can reach out to you? How can people reach out to you? Like, what's, what does that kind of look like to work with someone virtually like that? Yeah. So the first step is, um, I do a strategy phone call with all prospective patients. And basically this is a 30 minute call where we kind of discuss your goals when it comes to your hormones, your fertility. We talk about, you know, what have you done up until now that maybe has worked for you or hasn't, you know, have you worked with any sort of healthcare practitioner, especially outside of conventional medicine for this concern. And then kind of just discuss my process because you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I don't really know what you do, but I just know you do something different than what I've been offered. So mm-hmm. I'll, I, at this point, I just want something different because what I've been doing isn't working. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, our calls are held over zoom and for the initial four months, I'm meeting with my patients at least once a month. And this is because, you know, I never want my patients to feel like I told them 10 things to do and they're so overwhelmed that they just don't do any of it. Mm -hmm. So we really kind of work on it piece by piece. And that includes, you know, a few dietary changes, maybe a few supplements, maybe we're working on getting better sleep or the stress management. And then every time we're meeting, we're kind of building onto the plan from there. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I had said, it's not just about getting pregnant, but also having a healthy pregnancy the entire way. So really teaching them about their body and about what their body specifically needs based on their hormones and then building sustainable habits so that yes, they can get pregnant now, but also in five years, their body's in a place where they don't even have to think about it and they can just boom, get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when's kind of the best, I feel like it's hard because it's like people probably come to you after they've already been struggling for, you know, a year or two years, three years. Um, is there like a better way to approach it? Like as obviously just like as a mom of like a young daughter one day eventually you know she'll get her period and we'll have to have this whole conversation around all of that and like what that's going to look like for her life and like what are your like tidbits of advice for 
just like more young females, like who know eventually they want to be a mom, but it's not something that that's like even top of mind at all. Um, what can they be doing or like putting into action to like have healthy cycles and like recognize if something's not right? Yeah. I mean, I love getting women who are, you know, in their either late teens, or early twenties who are exactly for that reason. They're like, I know something's off with my hormones. You know, I don't want to get pregnant now, but I don't want to be an issue, you know, in five, 10, 15 years when I do. And I always say like the earlier, the better, because mm-hmm. if you're having any concern about your cycles, you're likely not feeling good in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're probably having low energy or brain fog or digest- digestive issues or acne. So it's not just about, you know, fertility, but it's really like, like how do you feel the best? And you want that at any stage of life. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, one you know, if you can start cycle tracking, so tracking your cycle, tracking your period, tracking your PMS symptoms, that is super helpful, especially if you do reach out to me or someone similar and, you know, you're looking for support around your cycles, they can kind of talk through that with you and say, okay, let's look at what your cycles have been doing for the past couple of months. And we can kind of talk through what's normal and what's not, and talk about, you know, how are you feeling elsewhere in your health? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I always say it's never too soon. And I love, you know, I have a handful of patients that come to me when they're, you know, late teens, early, early twenties, and their parents have sought me out. Their parents are like, you know, I just want to make sure that we're supporting her and getting her in the best place possible. So this doesn't kind of come back to, in a way, haunt her when she's in her thirties and, you know, that we've done everything possible prepare her. Yeah. I think that's amazing because I do. I do feel like so much more confident and just comfortable raising a daughter now than like when I think about when I was a teenager and like what was offered to me at like, you know, my doctor's offices and like the conversation around sex and like getting pregnant and how easy it is to get pregnant. Like when you're a teenager, you know, I just feel like the conversation has opened up more for like natural cycle tracking and also like recognizing that like it's actually not easy to get pregnant it has to happen like at a certain you know time of the month and like there's other ways to prepare your body and like take care of your body without having to like you said be on you know the pill early on to mask other symptoms and so um I think it is like becoming more of like a topic of a conversation these days. Um, still very new to a lot of people, I think, but like, I think the more we can talk about it and just be open about the fact that there are other natural ways to just recognize what's going on in our body is like amazing. Um, because a lot of moms listen to this podcast, I want to ask you, like, there is a time where it's like you are postpartum and you have, you know, you just had your baby, you know, there's a chance you can get pregnant. Um, a few months postpartum, is it likely if you're breastfeeding? Probably not, but like also it, there's, it's definitely possible. Do you have any like recommendations for taking care of our hormones, like postpartum? Cause it's like at your six week postpartum appointment, you're getting offered, you know, the mini pill or like to get back on birth control or to like get an IUD, you know, put back in pretty like immediately <laughs> after postpartum. You're like, I'm not even thinking about that right now. Um, any thoughts around like what, how like postpartum moms can be taking care of like their hormones and taking control of their like fertility. 
Yeah. I mean, I think I love working with women postpartum and then I usually, you know, if, if patients come to me for their fertility, I always say, you know, let's meet in your third trimester and come up with a postpartum plan mm. because, you know, like you mentioned, you have your six week, maybe eight week appointment, and then you're just thrown to the wind, you know, which is insane yeah. because your hormones are now going through a major shift. You're sleep deprived, mm. like, and really the women are not given much support. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, you know, things like, postpartum depression and fatigue and the hair loss. And it's all kind of chalked up to, well, this is just postpartum. Like you just kind of have to deal with it and mm -hmm. get through it. But I've had women who come to me, you know, a year, year and a half postpartum who are like, I've never felt the same since I gave birth. And it's mm -hmm. like, they were kind of just waiting for it to go away because they thought it was normal. So typically like if we're doing hormone testing, I always say three months after postpartum, we do it mm -hmm. and you really can feel so much better during the postpartum period. If you have that hormone support and you're thinking of, you know, for example, in nutrient deficiencies, pregnancy is very depleting on the body. If you're mm -hmm. breastfeeding also very depleting. So considering, you know, are you getting enough vitamin D enough iron? Like, do you need to be supplementing even further with these things to help your energy levels? So I yeah. think- that's really important, but really in general, I mean, it kind of comes back to the foundations of like, you know, what were you doing to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy? I'd say, you know, new, the nutrition piece can be really difficult for new moms. So having a plan on board, either with your partner or some sort of meal trans meal train to make sure that you are, you know, eating well and nourishing your body is really important. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you know, to have somebody, some, some sort of doctor or healthcare practitioner on your side. So you're not figuring out by yourself because things like, you know, low thyroid function, which is really common in the postpartum period that can look very similar to the quote unquote, normal postpartum symptoms, like the fatigue, mm -hmm. the constipation. And so you feeling better could be a matter of just addressing your thyroid instead of just waiting for this postpartum period to pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's like such a good point because I, feel like too, it's like when you're postpartum, like the last thing you're thinking about is taking care of yourself and like having all of these things, you know, like ordering supplements or like doing all of this as you have a six week old, you know, but if you can prepare for it ahead of time, um, even like with my, with Booker, I actually had like supplements ready to go for postpartum and it like changed my like mood and my thoughts and everything drastically. And it made me realize like my postpartum experience with Emery could have been so much better if I had been prepared with like the supplements to like support my body, you know, because it is so depleting and like breastfeeding hunger is like no other. And if you don't have the support of like, yeah, meal trains, like my friends set that up for us, you know, and like my mom was bringing me oatmeal in bed, like the second she heard Booker crying, you know, like just all those things, like just the support is so amazing. And so I feel like if you can prepare for that in the third trimester, like you said, it is such a game changer in the way that you feel and like how you can act and take care of yourself, like in those newborn days. And even having, you know, like monthly consult either with your therapist or your doctor, someone just that is checking in on you because, you know, after you have the baby, everything is about the baby, you know, is mm -hmm. the baby. Okay. The baby's so adorable is the baby fed, you know, and like, no one's really asking the mom how she is. So just having that on board. Cause sometimes I'll meet with moms and you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I just, I don't really eat until 3 PM. And I'm like, okay, the goal of this month <laughs> is just have a smoothie in the morning, you know, eat mm -hmm. something in the morning and something as small as that can make a major difference in their energy, their mood, their craving 
cravings, like that can be a game changer for them. But when all your focus is on the baby, thinking of something as simple as that can just go right over your head and you need somebody else from the outside to kind of point that out and be like, let's think about, you know, you would never, you know, ask your partner to wait until 3 PM to eat. So why are you doing that to yourself? Mm -hmm. Totally. I know there's just so many things I feel like it's being a mom, like you, begin to recognize like, why do I feel guilty asking for help? Or why do I feel guilty taking time for myself? You know, like all of these, like, um, just thoughts and like, are pushed around, like you said, your kids and taking care of your kids. And when I coach people in their business, it's like, it's okay to start talking about yourself now and like to focus on yourself because you are, a you're you, you know, like your kids don't make up who you are like you do. And so I think it's, all of this is like so great just to have the support system and have someone else like checking in on you and like telling you what to do. Cause that's sometimes all we need someone to be like, no, this is what you need to do by 9am. Like as moms, we're great at checking things off the list, you know? So like now we have that added to the list. So I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for your time and just for like sharing all these bits of information and just the support and knowing that like so much of this is normal, you know, like everything that we go through in trying to get pregnant, like being pregnant postpartum, like there's so many things that are normal, but it doesn't have to be like the story. Like you can actually have the support and be able to accomplish like a healthy lifestyle without it, you know, having to take such a huge toll on like your day to day. And so, um, yeah, thank you for all the little like bits of information. Where can people find you? How can they connect with you? And just like, get some more information about hormone health and just taking care of themselves. Yeah. So I definitely share the most on my podcast, which is heal your hormones with Dr. Danielle. I share a ton of information about PCOS, fertility, unexplained fertility, um, you know, miscarriages, all of it there. And then I'm also on Instagram at TikTok at Dr. Danielle period ND like naturopathic doctor. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the MomBots pod. I have an exciting announcement and that is my motherhood mindset and money weekly journal is now available on Amazon. I'm so excited. It's a physical hardcover journal that's six by nine and you order it. It gets shipped and delivered right to your door and you will now have your weekly journal to reach six figures as a mom and entrepreneur. I dreamt up this journal because I wanted it to be a feasible way for you to check in with yourself weekly and monthly. Let's be honest, I do not have the brain space to journal every single day. I know it's really good for you, but it's just not something I'm capable of doing right now. And this journal keeps you focused on your goals, but it allows for that flexibility and honestly, a realistic motherhood routine. As a six-figure entrepreneur and mom of multiple littles, I get the time crunch we're on and the limited brain space that we have. And that's why I created this journal. So you can still connect with yourself, be seen, and also accomplish big things. And not only accomplish them, but recognize and celebrate them throughout the journey of this journal. So I would love it if you would click the link in the podcast description. It'll take you to Amazon. You can get my journal and please... When you get it, tag me on Instagram because I want to share your stories of you writing in it, um, pictures of the cover, whatever you want to post. I'm so excited to see this journal in your hands.